It's a non-core banger. Dr. Raw shopping knowledge to the masses. Make you now tuned in the purpose and practice. Ay, yeah, purpose and practice. Keep your mental sharp. Uh, learn all the tactics. Dr. Raw shopping knowledge to the masses. Make you now tuned in the purpose and practice. Ay, yeah, purpose and practice. Podcast game. Ay, he got it mastered. It's a non-core banger. Dr. Ross. Peace, peace, peace to the family, the podcast community. We are back with another episode of Purpose and Practice, the podcast for the people. So, listen, we're at episode 21. Can you believe that? Like, wow. <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> you know, like... You know, and I got to I gotta get used to not saying that's crazy because, yo, that's the way it's supposed to be. I'm going to put it out there. Like, that's that's what time it is. Um, we are a podcast where we are about bringing the truth to people in the community. Uh, one of the things that we believe in here in the Purpose, of Pro, uh, Purpose and Practice podcast is Sankofa, and we see Sankofa as a verb. So we are constantly, like the, like the bird that you see on our, um, our logo and icon is we're reaching back to bring forward. That's what we are constantly doing, and that's what the show is about. And what we're bringing forward is the knowledge to the people. That's what we believe in here at the Purpose and Practice Podcast. So today we have like, yo, um, I'm like, I'm really, 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 really excited about our guest today. Um, and I'm going to get into a little bit about Radia. But before I start getting into all of the great things that she's doing, one of the things that, it's that I think is important to say is this. Me coming up, right? Radia, she was a couple years ahead of me. Um, and when we, as sophomores, and you know, we kind of looked up to some of the upperclassmen, Radia was one of the members of the community that we looked up to. And it was for, it was for many reasons. I mean, brilliant, um, innovator, uh, athletically inclined, like just everything, like she had it all. And we really, 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 as younger, younger kids in the school, like we really, really looked up to her, you know? So I always believe in bringing that energy and making sure that we present that to folks so that folks understand like, yo, when I was coming up, you were important. And, and sometimes people don't like, you don't understand the importance that you have. <laughs> But you have it, you know. So Radia was one of those folks back then. And then I have followed her and followed her. When I tell you, I haven't even seen her since high school, you know, but I have followed and followed and followed her work on, on Instagram, on uh, Facebook, on social media, and reading her books and, you know, following her podcast. And I'm like, yo, Radia is doing like brilliant, brilliant things. So with that said, we have the CEO, founder of Evo, uh, the blogger, uh, the self-help guru. I'm calling you a guru, you know, the engineer, the, the uh, going off, you know, and doing her thing in the world. 
with us today. You know, um, and salute to you, Radaya, and thank you, thank you, thank you for joining the podcast. Thank you. It's so mutual. Thank you for having me. Thank you for inviting me. And it's mutual. You know, we learn, like you said, reaching back to bring forward, you know, even though I was an upperclassman at that time, I knew who you were. I remember your energy. I remember you in sports um, and all of that. So I think 100%, you know, it works both ways and it's, you know, and it's continuing to be that as you do great things in the world. So I'm excited to be here and I appreciate you. Bless it. The love is love is mutual. Um, we, yo, I was, I was talking to, before we get into the, we get into the show, someone would reach, had reached out a couple of days ago and they were like, I didn't realize Long Branch had so many people yeah. who were out in this world doing the things that they are doing. And I'm like, yo, word up. Like, that's yeah. what we do. <laughs> like, that, like, that is what, you know, that shout out to Tasha because Tasha had posted Tasha Youngblood. Yeah, word <laughs> up. She, because she's another one of them. And, you know, I, I had given her flowers a couple years ago on that same, you know, the, the same kind of energy and vibe that I just shared about you. Mm -hmm. um, because she has said, you know, yo, what you, your show is really bringing to the people what mm -hmm. the people from Long Branch have done. And, and that that's essentially what, you know, what, what it is that we want to do, you know, on the show. So with that said, I hope everyone is is like in, in good spirits. I hope you all healthy. Mm -hmm. um, we're going we're gonna to get into this hour with Radia. And I'm going to try to stay quiet because it's a lot of fire that y'all need to hear. And I'm going to make this is one of those episodes that I know there's going to be an episode two. There's a few of you out there that's like we're going to do number two. But let's start right now. And Radia, what we like to do on the show is, um, you know, in terms of purpose and practice, I like to create background stories. OK, because. I feel like eventually this is going to be in the hands of young people and young people need to hear that we always didn't know the beings that we are today. We always weren't sure about who we were going to be, you know, and I, and I know that B is big for you. So yeah. what, what I want to do is if we can talk about kind of like growing up, if you don't mind kind of going back and telling us about your experiences uh, growing up. Yeah, so I'm Jersey, you know, all day long. I was born in Red Bank and then I was raised and grew up in Long Branch, actually. So um, my family, both sides are from Red Bank. And, and uh, it was just one of those things where, you know, parents of the 70s, right? Children of the 70s, parents of living through the 80s. It was wild, I think, you know, like a lot of stuff going on in Jersey, between Jersey and New York. And I was definitely a child in some crazy situations, you know, as it as it turned out in terms of growing up. And so for a long time, I looked back at that, even from like the time I was born until probably I was like seven, eight years old. You know, there was a, a lot of instability, lived with my grandparents, lived with my mom, moved around and lived with some community family. And I remember going back to Red Bank. I lived there we lived down in the projects and it was like, it seemed so small. It was huge when I was growing up. Sure. But when I went back, I was like, yo, it seems so small. And I remember feeling for a large part of my life that I, like I'm alone, like I wasn't raised because there was so much missing. And when I went back, I realized that I was raised, that everybody raised me, like the community raised me. And we had a strong sense in Red Bank and in Long Branch 
of extended family and friends who were family that had a hand in raising and just our relationships, even as kids, you know, all the kids of the, or the children of those parents. So I grew up, although moving around a lot in a lot of different situations and some tough situations, having very strong community bonds and very strong family bonds. And that, I think, to this day, as you talk about all of this, you know, brilliance that has come out of Long Branch, that's part of how we were born and raised. And I'm no different. Um, for a period of time, so I was in Long Branch. I went to Linda Conroe Elementary School. Oh, shout out to Linda Conroe. <laughs> <laughs> and so I went to, when I went to the Gifted and Talented Program at Anastasia in third grade, and then I was there until I went to middle school in sixth grade. I left for a couple years and moved with my father, went to Philly. Um, so shout out to Philly and Masterman. Shout out to Philly in the election. <laughs> no, word, no doubt. No, they came through. They came through. Um, they came through. And so I was there for a couple years and then I came back to Long Branch for high school. And that was phenomenal. Like I, we just had the best high school time, yeah. no doubt. It was a good time, a good time to be in high school. So I was in sports, I was active in student government. I was a good student at that time as well. And I had some great friends, both underclassmen and upperclassmen. It was just a good time. And uh, from there, I went to North Carolina State University. So I decided I wanted to become an engineer. Shout out to Tasha again, because she actually went there the year before me. And I went to visit her and was like, oh yeah, this is this works. That's so, um, oh, so so she was a year before you? Yes. She was 92, class of 92, I was class of 93. Wow. Why did yeah. I think you were the same year? Because we hung tight. We were, you know, wow. the whole line. So Hold tight. on. Did Tasha go to NC State or Duke? Where did she go? Yeah, she went to you NC know what? I'm thinking about Lisa Keys. You're right. Ah, she went, yes. yes, she went. You're right. Tasha went to, to NC State. That's right. Yep. That's right. Wow. So she went uh, a year before I did. And then I went. We were roommates for a period of time. And, uh, you know, so that's my sister. Wow. Oh, my God. Like, I didn't. You know, what's funny is that thinking back, for some reason, I had y'all in the same class in my mind. I had y'all in the same class. So you were one year ahead of me. Yes. So Tasha, you were 94? 94. Yep. So Tasha was two years. But but that, you know what, though? That really exemplifies, like, how much of a community we were. Mm -hmm. Because it wasn't about that. <laughs> like, y'all were letting us, like, kind of, like, hang and, and, and roll on y'all coattails. Like, we were, like, right, right? We were right underneath y'all, you know? And y'all were, like, kind of, like, you had y'all had your arms around us kind of bringing us up. Yeah, and it was, I mean, I think I remember our whole span of high school, every class was just so active and so mm -hmm. expressive. You know, there was a lot of personality across True. all the different classes. So you True. just you knew everybody. You were in that yeah. high school community. You knew everybody. True. So you you leave Long Branch, you go to NC State. Shout yep. out to the Wolfpack. Hey. <laughs> it did like you. So you go, do you go right into the school of engineering? Is that it was that like going in? You knew what time it was? Yeah, before like a year, I want to say my junior, the summer after my junior year in high school, I got accepted to a program at Stevens Institute of Technology. It was a summer program for engineering. And um, shout out to Mr. Gomez, right? He was a teacher. Wow. Yep. And he let me know about it. So I applied 
I got in and it was just a series of classes over the summer around engineering. And so I made the choice then to go into engineering. So when I came back, I applied to NC State, I got accepted. I was actually in materials science and engineering, which is the study of metals and semiconductors, mm -hmm. all kinds of stuff. I don't know why. I mean, I played with some liquid nitrogen at the little summer <laughs> summer thing. And I was like, I want to be a metallurgist. I'm in love with it. <laughs> yeah. And so I went to um, NC State of Engineering. I started off as a material science and engineering major, and it was hard. I mean, mm -hmm. I was like thermodynamics, you know, statics and dynamics, the whole, the whole deal was challenging for me. And I struggled through it. If I'm straight, like I struggled through it. So I got an internship with Intel Corporation in Arizona my sophomore year. And it was actually a co-op. So I took a semester off of school. So I went one semester and one summer and they hired me as an industrial engineer. So I got it because I worked like five jobs when I was in school. Like I was, I had to make money to stay there. So I was researching in two labs. I was working in an office mm -hmm. as an admin. I was mentoring students. I was in student government and I got this uh, co-op. I left and from January to August, I went to this job in Intel and they hired me as an industrial engineer. And I was like, oh, this works. So it was this combination of science and people, science mm -hmm. and processes and mm -hmm. systems. Um, and it, so it was still technical, but it just had this human element to it. True. And that for me was it. I was like, I got this, this I can do. And so when I went back to school, I changed my major and then I got up out of there, I graduated. Wow. So you, you do the NC State thing, mm -hmm. um, you find your path career-wise, right? Yep. And I don't want to move too fast, but I kind of do like, all right. And when you when you when you transition to the work world right mm -hmm. what are some of the challenges that you immediately begin to encounter yeah so a couple of things i'm gonna go back to the school part for a minute like i did not know what i was there for what i was in school for for a period of time so i wasn't one of those people that was like i'm going to college i'm gonna get this degree mm -hmm. i'm gonna do this job when i went to that uh co-op and in, in internship with intel i met a group of black people that were probably three to four years older than me. And so they had been in their careers. They were living there permanently. They were engineers um, and in different careers and they lived a life. And I was like, oh, okay, this is, this is why we're doing this. You know what I'm saying? Like we got nice homes, you know what I'm saying? We're visiting family, we're hanging out and having a good time and socializing, you know, professionals. So that lit something in me. And so when I, um, went back to school, that was something that transitioned for me or transformed for me was this understanding of like, oh, there's there's a whole life after yeah, this yes, yes. that I didn't know anything about. And so I had to kind of get introduced to that. So then I graduated and I moved from North Carolina back up. I moved up to Maryland because I wanted to be closer to Jersey. Mm -hmm. And I got a job offer for from Procter & Gamble. So very, very corporate, but I was still an engineer and I worked in manufacturing. Um, so a lot of things. I didn't know corporate culture, even though I had mm -hmm. some internships, they were very different. I went from a like a union based uh, internship to Intel, which is very kind of, you know, was very progressive at that time. And then I went to this Procter & Gamble, very corporate, traditional corporate environment. So I dealt with things around age, like, oh, you're too young to do this work. We're going to give this work to somebody else. Um, mm -hmm. I was a leader of our black managers team for years. 
And so we dealt with the same things that we're dealing with now, you know, equitable practices and promotions and hiring and recruiting and all of that, um, which is still a challenge today. So I dealt with all that. I dealt with managers that were, some were great (laughs) and some left a lot to be desired. Yes. And then eventually the culture just wasn't, you know, I would say, and some people that know me well, that worked with me would say, Radai, you were never really a fit fully. Like I would never fully assimilate. Um, But uh, it got to a point where it was just undeniable. So did you, did you realize that about yourself though? Like, did you realize, you know what? I'm not assimilating. I'm, this is not me. Or was it like hard to kind of like break away from that culture, quote unquote? Yeah, I would say, so in the beginning, I was very clear. Literally the first year that I worked there, there was this program um, to lay off people or, you know, to downsize. Mm-hmm. So they were offering packages for people who wanted to leave. And I signed up. I was like, I'm out. Like, this is crazy. Yeah. I had five different managers in like the first year of my um, career. And they said, no, no, no. You know, they had just invested all that training, those training dollars in you me. It was like, hold up. So I... Um, I was like, all right, all right, I'll stay. And then I was getting these amazing raises. Like we were getting raises like every six to nine months, solid double digit percentages. It was it was a good time. So it got a little tougher (laughs) to leave. Um, And then I would say probably my in the very beginning was tough. Then it got a little smoother. And then like year seven eight, nine, got tough, got really, really tough. And then by that time I started to have a family. So there were personal dynamics that started to shift. Um, And it just was very challenging. So to go from knowing your first year that you want to roll and to work there for 18 years. Wow. Right. Like I just kept reinventing myself and repositioning myself and I was very successful, but it was definitely a ride. Wow. Wow. So you mentioned the family piece. Yeah. Now, the family piece. Does that is was that a quick family, or if you can kind of give us some history on that? Like, was it a situation where hey, we got married, we had kids, and you know the rest is history, or was it like an elonged, you know, like honeymoon stage? Yeah. So, <laughs> because so I, I think those things are important, Radia. Like. <laughs> You know, like. <laughs> I hear this part, right? So I, when I went to NC State, I I met my husband at NC State. Okay. And um, we started dating. Then I'll never forget. Tasha was like, "Who?" And she, I remember she hung up the phone on me because she knew everybody, probably. Right? Huh? <laughs> Did she know everybody on the campus? Yeah. Like, yep, yeah. Yep. <laughs> so it was just so funny. So we started dating on campus. Um, we okay. dated throughout most of the time on and off. And then we both, he graduated in 95, I graduated in 99. And we both ended up moving to the DC area at the same time. So he was living in in, uh, North Carolina for a period while I was still in school. That year I graduated and moved up here. He also got a job and moved up here. And that was just, he would, today he would say, it just just happened. (laughs) So sure, okay. Uh, so we both ended up here and that was in 99, 2000. We got married in 2007. Okay. So we were here for a good period of time, you know, on and off 
dating before we got married. And it was it was a challenging time. It was definitely some ups and some downs and just trying to figure it out, being in a new city, you know, having new careers um, or new jobs, just trying to figure all that out. So we dated, continued through that time. And then we got engaged and got married in 2007. Right after we got engaged, I got pregnant with my daughter. So we switched everything around in the next two years, right? We got married, I had my daughter, we moved in. Um, and then I got pregnant again with my son. So I had my son and then we moved to a new house. It was just like everything changed in 24 yes. months. Yes. So we had all this time that was like just slowly just chilling along. Mm -hmm. And then boom, yeah. as soon as we got engaged, everything just popped off. Yes. And, and that's why I asked you that, you know, because, you know, in, in I would have never known that, but reading your book mm -hmm. and, you know, I'm reading your book. And, you know, and definitely a shout out, shout out. And we're going to get more into the book and I'm going to link it so everyone can go out and get a copy. Um, but you talk about in the book, there's a lot of perception. Like sometimes folks look from the outside in, right? Mm -hmm. And they look into our situations and they believe something about our situations. Absolutely. And in reading, especially in the beginning of your book, I think you do a nice job laying out like, Yo, you may look from the outside and see something, but inside. <laughs> so if you don't mind, um, A, if you can just talk a little bit about those those early years, you know, um, in terms of when you're starting to to develop, you know, as a mom, as a mm -hmm. as a wife, um, and then you're struggling with the whole, like, kind of like the professional and am I happy in my profession? Am I happy as a mom? Am I happy? Like, I think if you don't mind talking about that, because I think that those, those points are really important. Um, yeah. If you don't mind spending some time just kind of talking about that. Yeah. I mean, I'll take it back to what I said in the beginning about kind of how I grew up and how I, you know, how I was raised where there was a lot of instability. So when I moved here um, to Maryland and started my career, it seemed like, oh, I'm moving to a new city, right? My man is here. I got a good job, good, good job. Like we good. And it didn't necessarily go that way. They, like I said, there was a lot of rockiness around starting my career and just understanding corporate culture and getting the type of support and connections that I needed to be successful, to feel successful, and then navigating the relationship at that time. And then fast forward to the now getting married and not necessarily having great role models for marriage. You know, mm -hmm. I, I wasn't the person that was like, I can't wait to get married. When I got, um, <laughs> there was a period of time at my job, I think when it got rocky that I was like, okay, well then we should get married. And I, I was looking for stability. So what I talk mm -hmm. about in the book is subconsciously what was running me was this need for some stability. I was just grasping for stability and it was in a very dysfunctional way. Um, and so it caused a lot of pain and a lot of struggle in the process. So it was tough. It was like, in like I said, 24 months, I went from being this single girl with a lot of money and chilling and a great career to being a wife and a mother in, in and you know, a, a career situation that was just kind of like, what's going on here? Where's this going to go? So everything everything changed about me in that period of time. That's and uh, That's I had to find a way, and my dad was the catalyst as I talk about in the book, mm -hmm. for me to find a way to like, who am I? True. Who am I in all this? True. 
So, you know, that was one of the things, and, and I have the book up. Y'all need to go out and get it. We're going to have it on the podcast book club. Um, we, we're definitely going to have this because it's one of those books. When I read it, I read it. It was like one of those two hour reads. Like, all right, I'm just getting, I'm what? like I'm reading this, like, because that's how it captures you. And what I like what you do in the book is you make it really easy. And you take a lot of like, because I read a lot about, you know, being, I, I read a lot of, you know, like, you know, who are we? And, mm -hmm. you, know, you know, whether it's the alchemists, you know, um, yeah. you know, like the, the laws of thinking, like I, I'm big into those things. But what I loved about your book is that it kind of put it where, and I, lift, I listen to Joe Madison a lot, where the goats can get it. All right. <laughs> it, it takes all of those complexities. Yeah. And it puts it in a space where everyone can touch and feel it. So I'm going to set this up for you. Okay. Right? So you, that every, the, the whirlwind that you just explained, all right. Um, you, you go from being single on top of the world, just killing mm -hmm. it, to still killing it, but you got a family, you got kids who just came all of a sudden. Um, and now you're trying to navigate like, all right, who am I? Mm -hmm. And in the book, you know, um, your dad, and, and that's what I love about it. I'm reading them like, wow. Like your dad's like, you're having a conversation with your dad and your dad asked you a question and he was like, you know, cause you, you call him the kind of vent and yeah. he's like, well, who are you? Yeah. You know, like, so if you can talk about that, because that really, a, I was envious. Cause I was like, man, I wish I had a conversation like that with my dad. Like yeah. that's like that because it was almost like a lighthouse. It was almost like it refocused. It kind of brought you back to, mm -hmm. you know, in yoga, they say, you know, mind your own stance, you know, mind your own pose. Like it brought you back to a pose. So if you can kind of talk about that moment of who are you? Yeah. What that, what that felt like. So it's a couple of things. Cause what I'm going to say, I am the child of, a, like a, a real serious duality. Like my father is very artistic and, and just both of my parents are sensitive, but he's very artistic and creative. Mm -hmm. And my mother is very functional and very like more logistical, like on it. And so I have always existed in that sweet spot of that. Okay. My mother has taught me that like your identity is the one thing that you have that you don't give up. Like you define that. And my father has taught me the evolution of that identity, how it evolves, right? And so when he asked me that question, I had never thought about it before. Wow. And like I say in the book, I knew what I wanted, right? I knew why I wanted it. I always say as black people, we're not short on whys. Like people say, start with why, Simon Sinek. I'm like, we ain't short on no why. The people, the culture, the community, my mama, you know, like it's a whole lot of whys. Yes. But it's, I never answered, thought about or answered the question, who am I? So mm -hmm. when you when I when you think about that, it's like when you know what you want and you know how to get it, and you know why you want it. Question is, who is it that wants that? Mm -hmm. So when I was talking about all that instability, it was that child, that small little girl, Radia, that was craving stability, that wanted those things that I was going after, that career, right? That family, that house, that car, whatever it was, whatever I was chasing after. I was trying to overcome some of the voids that I felt as a child. So it was really subconscious. It was running me from the background. When he asked me the question, who are you? I didn't have an answer. So I was like, well, how do you want me to answer that? What do you mean? Like, give me an example. And he, he was 
I was trying. He was like, no, like just go sit with it. And when you, when you know, come back to me. Mm-hmm. So I did what engineers do, what corporate engineers do. And I went and got a spreadsheet <laughs> that at Microsoft Excel. And I got real Ayanla in that spreadsheet. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm a, how, who am I? And I started to make these declarations um, because what came to me was I'm life-changing love. And like just in a meditation. And I was like, it felt so pure that I knew it was truth, but I didn't know what that meant. Like, so what do I do with that? Right. Cause that's what we always want to do something. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's where I started to declare, well, what that means is that my relationship to my higher power is the most important thing in my life, that I take care of myself, mind, body, and spirit, that I'm a passionate partner to my husband, that I'm a nurturing mother to my children. I just started to just declare, well, this is who I am then. This is what life-changing love means. Once I was able to really kind of spec that out, then I could actually live into it. I could honor it. I could hold myself accountable to it, right? It was just something about processing that and speaking my truth that gave me some grounding and an anchor that I could actually live into. And I hadn't had that before. It was clarity. Like, yeah. And, but let me ask you this. So mm-hmm. when you answer, I'm life-changing love, right? Yeah. So that wasn't a previous conversation that you and your dad shared. Nope. So that was you kind of doing your work and coming to that realization. That was a divine realization. It literally just came it's just like that like i can hear the same voice to this day i'm life-changing love and what i knew about it was because i love heart i'm a pisces right like all this like i'm i'm all in it and i knew that what had gotten me through all of the challenges that i had in my life had been just this openness and willingness to love that had always been the thing that restored me right that i was able to come through i come through everything on top shining. You know what I'm saying? So I knew that it was my truth and I believed it. And then I was willing to live into it. And Because I wanted to ask that because I was like, because, you know, and that's one thing that books, you know, with with books. And it's funny because I was just, uh, I I read books to my my son and my Mm -hmm. daughter. And I'm like, there's sometimes the author doesn't tell you everything, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like, you have to infer like what happened. So one of the things that, you know, when you say, because in the book, it happens quick. It's like you you come back with that, yo. You know, I'm life changing energy. So I'm thinking like, is that in the same conversation, or did Radia go off, you know, like and do some work? Yeah. But Radia, like before we move on, what what I would like if you can talk to, um, I had pinned a piece uh, a little while ago, and I talked about it's okay to not be okay, mm-hmm. right? And I talked about sometimes we can have this perception from the outside that people are thriving. Yo, I wish they had what they had. And you described a lot of kind of like, and I hate to use the term materialistic, but I I guess a Mm -hmm. better term would be like the things that everyone wants. Like you had a family, you had the career, you're all healthy, um, you know, you're prosperous. And from the outside, people can say, you're doing well. But you know, again, if we if we read your book, we find out that you weren't so good. You weren't feeling so good. Not at all. Uh, and and I think that 
before we get to that point, you know, and you talked about like, who are you? You had to do some self, you know, like, who am I? You had, you had to do some soul searching. Yeah. You can talk about the importance of not falling victim to perceptions of wealth, perceptions of accomplishment, perception, like how those things can be tricky and disillusional. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I want to, I don't want to sound cliche because there's a lot that is out there in the world today, right? On this topic. And it's true, but we sometimes miss the meaning of it, which is the only, what determines your experience of life is your internal world. It is your set of beliefs. And if you're not aware of the things you believe, whether it's religion or spirituality, whether it's about sexuality, whether it's about womanhood or manhood or family, like whatever beliefs you have, if you're not aware of those, you're standing on those beliefs and they are generating a mental lens through which you are actually living and creating your life. That is your what we call your inner game, 100%. And that's what that's why I didn't know who I was. Like I was being run by a set of conditioned beliefs, you know, in that period of time when you are what, six years old to about Mm -hmm. 12 years old, you're being conditioned. And there are beliefs that are forming in you that you're not aware of. And you're living into those. That's part of why we in the situation we in, you know, in this country. People believe in stuff because they were just conditioned to believe it and they're not conscious of what you're actually doing. So if you don't know what's within you, you will be out here living a life that is being driven by an unconscious reality, right? It's gonna be driven by somebody else's beliefs, somebody else's opinions, somebody else's judgments that you're trying to navigate unconsciously. That is what I was doing. I was just trying to escape all of the feelings and the thoughts that I wasn't even really aware of, like where where are these coming from? Mm -hmm. So the work that I did, I mean, I did personal development stuff even through my job at the time. You know, there was a, there's a company called Landmark Education Forum. They have mm-hmm. some courses that allow you to think through some different concepts about who you are as a human being. So I had done some of that work before. My father and I had these kind of conversations often. I was reading the books like everybody reads, The Power of Now, Eckhart Tolle, you yes, know, The Power yes, of Intention yes. Desire. So I'm reading these different things. I read um, The Battlefield of the Mind, Joyce Meyer, right? And I'm starting, these concepts along the way are planting little seeds, hmm. little seeds, hmm. little seeds. And I'm starting to wake up. I'm starting to be like, oh, like you mean mm-hmm. I feel this way and it actually might be, yes. it might not be real. Like I might feel a way yes. and it could be completely false and off base, right? I had never, oh, I could think that and I don't actually be, have to be held hostage by mm. some thought that pops into my head. So all these little early seeds of really understanding who you are as a human being, as a spirit, as an energy with a brain and how your brain works started to unfold and awaken my consciousness so I could operate from a different space. So all of that shifted me from, oh, these external accomplishments are what make my life good to realizing that it was my internal world that is always creating my experience of life, that is always coloring the picture, whatever Mm -hmm. it is. I always say people go people, Right. And we heard Michelle Obama say it is what it is. There's circumstances that are always going to be circumstances. True. The only thing that changes and adjusts is you yeah. and where you're coming from. 
And when you learn how to master that, that's when you learn how to create the kind of life you want. Daya, like you bringing fire. Like I'm, cause I'm sitting here and like, yo, cause you, you got me thinking now a few things. All right. First of all, the complexity of outside people thinking I should be okay because look what you have. Mm -hmm. But then this inner struggle of like, I'm not okay. <laughs> In real, real talk. Like a lot of times, even me, like a lot of times I feel like in my family, people assume you're good. Yeah. Like, oh, you're good. You, you know, you went off, you went to school, you did this, you overcame so many of these things. But then, you know, a lot of times people don't take the time to really find out what's really good. You know, and that's why I like that. What's really good, because that is our culture's way of saying, no, we say we have a problem with understanding mental illness and accepting it. That's where what's really good comes from. Yeah, it comes from really double checking that. Right. That's right. So. When you're when you're talking, I immediately think of it sounds crazy, but the matrix, mm -hmm. because what you just explained yep. is like the complexities of that movie, the matrix. And what world are we living in? Yeah. How these different worlds can be created. Did you have to like struggle through that with family? Like where it was kind of like, yo, you should be all right. <laughs> like, like we're feeling like, yo, I should be all right. Like, was that a struggle? No, it, it, that part wasn't with family. When I think about my family members, I mean, you know, and it just depends on how far you go out in terms of your relationship, my relationships with my family, but my close mm -hmm. family, like my mother, I'm her child. So she's going to be like, yeah, I don't yeah. care what my child got. I can see yeah. that she's I not can, okay. Yes, you know what yes, I'm saying? Yes. And my father had his own journey, right? Of traveling the world and being in all these places, but being in a very strong addiction. So he knew that appearances didn't mean yes. anything either. Wow. So I was surrounded by people that really wow. got it, like, you know, and helped usher yes. me through the process of like, listen, we get it. Uh, we, yes. we Great, you did great, you know what I'm saying? But we believe- but We know it's real. <laughs> yeah, and we're here for you, you yeah. know, if you need it. So I didn't have to struggle with that, but I did have to, I had to struggle with having this, these new awakenings. And then maybe like, like, for example, in my marriage, it was something that I was going through on my own. It was a personal transformation. Mm -hmm. So as I became all these different people, you know, on my journey, my husband is adjusting with me, yeah. you know, kind of like, okay, like things that used to be okay yeah. or not, right? Like things are just yeah. changing around. So he had to evolve with me. That was challenging while you're raising two small children. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I think friends, you know, when I started to have different interests and mm -hmm. focusing and really going deep to just be like, yo, I'm about to transform something about myself. Um, I think that created some differences in yeah. realities, right? That is yes. some reasons. I mean, it's still amazing connection and love there, but those were periods of time where the relationships just took different form. Yes. And so yes. we had to navigate, well, what's the new relationship going to be like? And that is a perfect segue, right? Because when you start talking about, like I was reading a book and you broke down the um, be printing, right? Mm -hmm. like, and I'm like, hold on, hold on. 
And then when you had the whole scale, see, and, and when you like, that's what I love about you. Cause you came from it. You, you almost had like a, the best of both worlds. Mm -hmm. Like you had this engineer mind behind it, but then you had this whole other like social and emotional mind behind mm -hmm. it. And it was an easy way to grasp. And when I saw, and I made sure I had to tr I hit the trademark up because I was <laughs> like, you need all that, you need all that love, right? Thank so, you. cause it kind of, what you're explaining kind of leads into that, you know, to that, that B printing. Um, if you don't mind just taking a little bit of time for folks out there who may not have the book, but make sure you all get the book and I'm going to link it back up. Um, if you could talk a little bit about that be that be printing and, and what you were trying to accomplish with that. Yeah, it's, it's really what I was talking about where when I got to this point of I'm life changing love. Well, what does that really mean? And what we, we say about evoke is that we are spirit led, science based and reality driven. So it's spirit, science and reality. That's the combination that we are as human beings. There's a spiritual aspect. There's a scientific life, right? That we live. And then there's our reality. So B printing is blueprinting who you're being. It starts based on the premise that all of us are star stuff. And I say this in the book, that may sound how it sounds, but you are made of the same elements that the stars of millions of years ago that shine bright are made of. You are an energy. And that energy can take any form and focus on any creation it wants at any point in time. No doubt. What gets in the way of that truth is our reality, the circumstances we live in, the challenges and being in this human body, this physical form that has us then deal with our emotions, deal with those chemical reactions that are happening and kind of lose consciousness around the truth of who we are. And so B printing is just a way for you to remember who you are as that limitless energy and then define yourself from a conscious place. Define mm. what do you choose to believe in, the types mm. of thoughts that you want to have as patterns that run in your mind. You get to choose those. Sure. Right. So what is we call them mantras, like whatever your thing is to call them. What thoughts are you going to allow to run in patterns in your mind? What emotions are you going to subscribe to? How are you going to show up? Are you always the person with a bad attitude? And it's not about being positive, right? It's just about being authentic because it ain't authentic to have a nasty attitude all the time even. Nope. <laughs> right? So it's about B printing is we call it the anatomy of being. The anatomy of your being are your beliefs, your thoughts, the feelings in your body, the emotions that you interpret about those feelings and thoughts and the actions that you take or the inactions. Be printing that, setting your beliefs, setting your thoughts. And then when you live into that, now you have something to live into. This is who you are. You are the sum total of your beliefs, your thoughts, your feelings, your actions, and your emotions. And, you can, and we measure that. And that's what we call your intention. So people use intention to mean like, oh, my intention, like my objective or what I want to happen is X, Y, Z. And we're like, no, your intention is the total measure of who you're being yeah. at any moment. Like when somebody walks in the room and you like, mm, nah, you, you know, feel it. right? Yes. Or somebody walks in the room and you're like, oh, I, like, oh, I want to get to know that person. Like that's their intention. That's where they're coming from. That's mm -hmm. the measure of who they are and who they're being. 
And so that energy that you are, that's limitless, can take any form in any moment, which means in any moment you can choose, you can choose yes. a way of being. You can yes. choose who you want to be and how you want to show up. And we have that mixed up. We got it real confused with like, oh, well, I'm, you know, I'm a be me. You know how people be like, I am. Yeah, I like, yeah. <laughs> that's just me. Like, no, it ain't. That's another way for you to say that you have no intention yes. of being anything different. That's how you want to be. That's how you're choosing to be. Wow. And that's where accountability comes in, right? So when you have accountability, then you can you can see so it's accounting for things. Mm -hmm. This is who I said I was. Is that who I'm being? Yeah. Am I who, right? Am I who I said I am? Or who am I being about what I want in this life? Yes. And that, you know, it it you would think that we pre-did this show. Right. Like we had a show before the show, because what you just said, it talks about that alignment. Mm -hmm. And whenever I see a scale and that's just the science, the scientist in me, whenever yeah. I see a scale, I'm looking for alignment. Like mm -hmm. I'm looking for, all right, where's the alignment or where is the gap? In mm -hmm. And that's kind of what you just you hit on. So this quote here. OK. Mm -hmm. The power is in your consistency of tapping into a level of choosing conscious, deliberate and purposeful action that aligns with your goal, that yeah. align with your goal. So that is so like if there was one when I read the book, I said, all right, I want to find if there was one quote that I could take out of the book and for folks who haven't read the book and say, just do this. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. just do this. Yeah. This would be the thing that I would say, just do this. Yeah. You know, um, because a lot of times, like you said, we hide behind those intentions. Mm -hmm. And the gap between intentions and then whatever the outcome is, yeah. is the the behavior or the action That's or right. whatever you bring, the energy you bring, right? So, and a lot of times people say, they hide behind that excuse, my intentions were good. Exactly. <laughs> like I had, I had good intentions, right? You know, and we don't go for that. Like I'm telling you, our whole thing is, no, you did intend that. You just weren't aware of your full intention. Mm. Right. It's just like communication. When you say something and somebody is like, oh, you're like, what? I just said such and such. It's like, no, your nose was turned up. Your head was tilted to the side. Your, right. All the body language and energy. Yes. Something else. Intention is the same way. Take the case that if something goes in a way that you did not expect, mm -hmm. that there is something about how you are showing up, not like a blame or whatever, but there's something over here with you that actually you didn't see that is directly a match for what showed up over there. Wow. Wow. Rodaya. Like I'm just in, and listen, in all my studying and everything, right. Mm -hmm. I never really got that, got that. And it sounds crazy, but I, I had a job a couple of years ago and they would focus on our nonverbals. Right. Okay. And after meetings, we would have these huddles and they would be like, you're nonverbals, really? And for a while, I was like, man, go ahead. Like, right. you know, like we, you and your nonverbals. But then I really started to be like, yo, maybe my nonverbals are off. And if they are off, it has to be a source for them. Right. Being off. Exactly. And yeah. it's what you like when I was reading your work, I'm like, yo, this is it. Yeah. You know, this is. This is it's it. mastery. It is really yeah. getting to this. You know, when I think about who I was growing up, 
going through what high elementary school, high school, going to college, mm -hmm. early in my career, moving on. I'm telling you, I had no idea of the fullness of who I was and who I was being in the world. And then I'm looking at life like, why is this happening to me? Why is it gotta be like that, right? And not taking any responsibility for how I'm showing up. And again, this is not a blaming like, oh, like law of attraction, you're being some way. I mean, it's partly that, but what it is is it's owning that everything you experience is filtered and interpreted through your own lens yes. of that anatomy yes. of being. You're interpreting. What's happening is just happening. You're bringing meaning to it. Mm -hmm. you're, you know, you're making it mean something that's causing you some kind of internal re reaction, and then you're acting from that. From that, wow. So people going people. They're gonna do what they do. Let that be over there with them. It does not have to mean what you make it mean. And you can take control. And and I think that. That's, you know, in psychology is a lot to be said about locus of control. Mm -hmm. like, all right. What do we have? What do you have control of? And the first thing to me when we when we begin to dismantle as people is when mm -hmm. we feel like we don't have control over yeah. something. You know, like, yep. you know, in that, in that when you're talking, I'm kind of sensing like, nah, you do have control. You know, you, you have do. it over. You have control over yourself, and there's some things that I don't like. I don't mm -hmm. control my thoughts. You mm -hmm. know, so the notion of control, I don't put a lot of weight in because it feels a little bit like an uphill battle, right? And I, the need to control is on the other end of the fear of uncertainty. Yes. Right. So if I don't fear uncertainty, I don't have as high a need of you know need to control stuff if I don't fear uncertainty. Mm -hmm. And so how do I not fear uncertainty? I know who I am and I become grounded and connected and assured in who I am, those beliefs, all, and I commit to those. And mm -hmm. that allows me to walk this earth, like whatever comes up, yes. right? I can be here with it. I can be yes. with it. Yes. I can be with it. So I don't need to control stuff. Because I have I like the ability that. and the capacity to be with what shows up. I like that. Yeah. I like that. I, like that. I love that actually. <laughs> like, thank you. That's a gem. And you know, because that takes a lot of that weight off. Yeah. Of like, <laughs> oh, because when because that creates anxiety. If mm -hmm. you feel like going in, I gotta control everything. Exactly. There's an anxiety that's like, all right. You don't know what's going to come up. So how are you going to know you can control it? Exactly. So now you're, you, I love. Now you're like, okay, if I know who I am and I know what I stand for and there, that just keeps expanding, right? Because life continues to bring you situations that mm -hmm. you're like, okay, you could be with everything. How mm -hmm. about this? <laughs> you know, you're like, oh. But then as you work through that situation, you know, then you have nothing can take that away from you. You know, sure. like take, I went to college. Mm -hmm. I didn't know I was going, you know, I didn't have a yeah. roadmap. I made it through. Now I'm like, oh, oh yes. Okay, I know how that works. So yeah. it's the same with anything else. And that assuredness for me is like, okay, I can just show up as myself and I'm good. I can mm -hmm. just stand in my own identity that I've created. And because I not only created that identity, but I committed to it, I held myself accountable yeah. to it. I operate with integrity, right? Yeah. That consistency you're talking about. Yes. Consistency is a byproduct of commitment. Hmm. When you could, you can, you know what you're committed to. Look at your bank account. Look at your time schedule. <laughs> you know yeah. what I'm saying? 
that's that's what you're committed to. We don't like to look at those things, but you're right because <laughs> yeah. they they show you that truth. Exactly. So yeah. if so, that's how you commit, and whatever you commit to, you know that's something you do consistently. So the key is in committing. So because I made that commitment to who I had defined myself to be, it built a strength and a knowing around that that allows me to therefore show up in different situations. And that's been expanding over the years. So I'm able to be in bigger spaces, you know, with bigger experiences and still be sound and sane. And, you know, and now it's like not even just being able to be with it, but to be powerful in it. it. Right. Like to show up to it like what? I got this. We, like, I'm cha- life changing love, yeah. right? <laughs> like it's that. It's like now I'm not even so much in the details of all the little declarations. It's like I get the fullness of life changing love and I can speak that. And that will put me at an energetic that allows me to show up in a space as my most powerful self. I just rest in that. Yes, I love it. Yo, it's I just, I think about even, you know, as athletes. Mm-hmm. When you put that work in and that consistency, that practice, that preparedness, yeah. you show up with a different sort of confidence mm-hmm. that others in, in no matter what, you're not even thinking about what other people are showing up with. You just know, yo, yeah. this is the work I put in. Yep. So therefore, these are the results I'm expecting. Exactly. You know, same thing. Yeah. We don't apply that to just everyday life. You know, certain situations, a lot of time, I think for me, it was like in relationships as a woman, mm-hmm. you know, it was like I could be over here, whether it was in my books or on the track or whatever, you know, like, oh, yeah, this is what it is. And then in relationships, feeling like, oh, I don't, yes. know. <laughs> I don't know who I am. Who am I? You know, so it just is that applies that we say what you do anywhere, you do everywhere. everywhere. I like that. You know, so it applies just like you yes. training for a race no, or a game. Yes. That's life. No doubt. No doubt. Yo, like, I don't want to stop, but it's like, yo, we, we like, that's why I said, Radia, you know, obviously I knew what kind of fire you were going to come with um, just because I know your work. And that's also why I knew that folks need to hear it. And I hope folks go out, pick up the book, check out. I got the the the, the paradigm, the power paradigm podcast. Mm-hmm. Check that out. Get on Spotify. Check that out. Yeah. Um, great podcast. I love hearing from you, sisters, on the things Thank that you're you. delivering. Yes, it's it's powerful, powerful stuff. Because the more we have of this type of, it's almost, and I, I don't like to use the term programming, but this information, yeah. and this knowledge, this knowledge mm-hmm. yo, it, it really adjusts the way that we look at the world. Like it, 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 reading your book and it was like, oh my God. And then knowing you and I'm reading it and it means even much more. Um, I'm like, this is a jewel. And I'm trying to find out now how to get it into the hands of the young ladies in school districts. Like, how do I get this into young people's, and I say specifically young ladies, because it's written from you, you know, and I'm mm-hmm. like, you know, young women need to, to feel this energy. Everyone needs to feel it, but I'm like, how can I get it into their hands? So that's one of my goals is like, how do I get Love this it. book? How do I get this book into high school students' hands? 
I love you know, it. Let me know. I, I did um I did a couple of sessions with some uh, high school students in engineering over okay. the summer. My daughter was with me. And okay. it's just a concept because I think younger, the younger you are, the less baggage you have. Yes. So some of these yes. concepts resonate, yeah, yes. really quickly. Yes. Like bee printing, it takes like hours with adults. With mm -hmm. kids, they're like, oh, like my son was like, oh, okay, this is what it is. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Because we're naturally programmed that way. Exactly. <laughs> Like this is just your truth. Yes. It really is a we're yes. giving you a process yes. to uncover your own truth of what you yes. know. So I, I love that. I mean, let me know whatever I can do to help that process um, to provide books. Okay. You know, I'm here for it because I do think that the one of the things that we want to do. I was on a call earlier today. Is is this is a an age old? These are age old truths. Mm -hmm. But this is a new conversation, especially for our community. Yes. And it's substantive. It's not just something that's packaged happiness, right? And this spiritual mm -hmm. commodity of bypassing. Mm -hmm. We call it make mindfulness. That's a term I've heard. It's not about that. This is about yes. what's the truth of your existence and how do you how does knowing that allow you to live a completely different life? Mm. Wow. Uh Radaya, you are definitely family to the podcast. Yeah. Um, what I like to do is I always like to ask my guests, you know, if there was advice to your high school self mm. <laughs> <laughs> and it's kind of just what you said, like, you know, it kind of goes along with the, with the lines that you, what you just talked about. But if there was advice to your high school self, um, what advice would you give, you know, <sighs> what advice would you give? It's interesting. In high school, I think I always had this innate sense of like power, like feeling powerful. So I would, hmm. I would probably tell myself something around that. Like you're, you're, you're as powerful as you believe. Walk in it. I like that. You know, I like that. Walk in that power. Yeah. Like Walk don't second guess power. that. Like you are as powerful as you believe. Walk in it. I like that. Thank you. Thank you. So. Once again, um, I thank you, Radia, for your time, giving us this time on the podcast. Um, if there's anything that we haven't covered that you want to share, please feel free to share it. Um, if there's anything you wanted to say uh, before we begin to close out and say peace to our, you know, our community, please feel free. Now's the time to say it. Yeah, I just I do want to encourage our community to have these kinds of conversations, whether they might sound abstract, they sound different. But be with like ask, just ask somebody, send a note, right, to you, mm -hmm. me, and just say, like, give me what's a beginner's book? You know, it could be my book, it could be something else, but start to check out these conversations because it's going to blow your mind. And I can tell you it's a very straightforward, fast way to change your life. So just I encourage you to just start having these conversations. No doubt, no doubt, no doubt. Start somewhere. You have you have access to me. Um, you have access to Radia. If you are watching this podcast, that means you have access to the social media in which it was broadcasted. So you have both of us. Yeah. So if you want to get in contact with either of us, please get in contact. But I think that's a good space. It's starting someplace. Yeah. Um, and these conversations 
like this really helped me. Thank you. You know, it's been, it's been, I've been needing this. So to the community out there, the purpose and practice community, um, we had the opportunity to bring you another great guest who's genius and doing so many things that we haven't even been able, we have in this hour, we couldn't even fit it all in. Um, but I wanted to bring you some of the fire that Radia, you know, is working with and, and some of the heat that she's bringing. So please check her out, you know, um, tune in, get that book. It's going to be on the book club. I got to get back on the book club thing, Radia. I took too much time off. This podcast thing kind of took over. It's amazing, um, though. It's worth it. Yo, I got to get back, though, because there's two books. There's three now that I want to get on and get us read. And, you know, when I read your book, I was like, yo, this is like, this is fire. Like, this is... And I'm like, do people, are people reading this? Like, cause it's like, it changes, it'll change your life. It, it, you know, I'm reading it. It's like changing my life. Yeah. So yeah, like we, we definitely, we're definitely, and the good thing about it is when we start it, when we do have it, we'll definitely get you on Radia, you know, uh, to discuss parts of it. Mm -hmm. um, if that's okay with you. Yeah. So shout out to everyone who joined in tonight. Thank you for joining in, spending your Wednesday night with us. Uh, we got another episode tomorrow. Uh, I had to do a double dip this week because I wanted to get this heat to you because we missed it the, the first time Radia and I were supposed to go together. Um, but this is the Purpose in uh, Practice podcast saying peace out to you all. Uh, be safe, um, yes. you know, and have a, you know, be safe, be safe, be safe. Happy holiday to everyone. And we will see you again tomorrow. Radia, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank um, you, we, sir. We really, yes, we really, really, really appreciate the energy that you brought tonight. So we're going to leave out. Mr. Encore going to take us out uh, with the dope, dope, dope intro. Yeah. The, the dope, <laughs> dope, dope outro. Uh, we, we salute you for that, brother. Uh, peace out. Peace. It's an Encore banger. Dr. Raw dropping knowledge to the masses. Man, you now tuned in to purpose and practice. A yeah, purpose and practice. Keep your mental sharp. Uh, learn all the tactics. Dr. Raw dropping knowledge to the masses. Man, you now tuned in to purpose and practice. A yeah, purpose and practice. Podcast game. A he got it mastered. Sign call.